What is up guys? This is All The Smoke on Strength and Physique with your hosts, Adam and Chris, where we provide you with evidence-based information, community support, and recognition to all who are betting themselves with fitness. Welcome back to All The Smoke on Strength and Physique. And today we're actually going to go over a recent published systematic review titled The Effects of Carbohydrate Intake on Strength and Resistance Training Performance. Um, This is by um, Mino Henselman, if if I'm saying that correctly. Um, But this is something, you know, as if we think about the bioenergetic or your metabolism, your, your specific systems, we think anaerobic and aerobic. And we think anaerobic, we think ATP, PCR, we think carbohydrates. Those two substrates are utilized without oxygen. And that's predominantly the, ener- or the, the system that we use when we resist and strain. So what this actual, you know, systematic review did is they took all of the studies that manipulated some sort of carbohydrate, carbohydrate intake, um, whether it be the acute effects, the effects of carbohydrate intake, um, after some sort of glycogen depletion. And typically what that means is you're going through some sort of cycling protocol for 30 to 45 minutes. Um, there was one, if I recall, it was about 75% of an individual's VO2 max, uh, for 45 minutes. And then they did 12 90 second all out sprints. Um, so again, pretty fatiguing in the sense that they purposely are trying to deplete you of, um, local glycogen storage. Um, and then they looked at short-term effects, um, meaning anywhere from four to six weeks and long-term effects anywhere from six plus weeks. I thought, you know, those two other results sections weren't super important, but I really enjoyed looking at the acute effects and the effects of um, carbohydrate intake on performance. Um, So typically, right, exercise science in general is based off a lot of endurance type work. So resistance training doesn't get much love. And a lot of the resistance training recommendations are based on endurance like performance. And that's kind of what they highlighted in their introduction. A lot of the recommendations thus far on carbohydrate intake on anaerobic exercise. So resistance training has typically been through narrative reviews, position statements. um, And typically right now we recommend eight to 10 grams per kilogram per day, or anywhere from 60 to 70% of totally total energy intake. And Chris, we both know, right? A lot of our athletes, if we tell them, hey, you know, here's your calories or whatever calorie amount you're eating, if you just get 60 to 7% of your energy intake from carbs, that is under the assumption that they're calorically in maintenance. And that's not always the appropriate way to go about it, correct? I think it just depends. Yeah, I think it would just depend. Um, I guess when I take the approach for athletes, I, I really just focus on hunger cues. I don't even really focus on caloric intake unless we're trying to change their body weight in general. I think the biggest thing with athletes is their metabolism is going to be higher. And I'm hoping, and I'm not saying this is for everyone because obviously people might underfeed athletes but athletes are going to eat what they want when they want. And I think the hunger cues itself is going to be something to be 
really valuable for athletes in general. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean, now the hunger cues is, is definitely huge for a lot of people to actually be aware of. But I think, you know, nowadays being in a, maybe a, a heightened stressed environment, we don't always really know how to pay attention to those hunger cues. And again, using this blanket statement of a percentage, 60 to 70% of an individual's caloric intake isn't probably the best because now I'm under the assumption, you know, they're eating maintenance calories or they're in a surplus when we very well know that a lot of athletes, right, their caloric expenditure is through the roof. Um, or if an individual is eating less calories and we tell them 60 to 70% of your calories need to come there, what happens to protein, what happens to fat? So this range isn't probably the best way to go. And then maybe just eight to 10 grams per kilogram may not be the best solution as well, because it doesn't take, again, personal preferences and things of that nature. So again, what this systematic review did, go ahead, Chris. And, and that's actually something you can't see what we're looking at, but there's such a discrepancy between the ranges of carb intake recommendations. And it could be anywhere from five grams to 10 grams, depending on either energy intake, body weight. And I, I get that, that you might not seem like that. That's a big difference, but that that's a, that's a big difference. Five to 10, uh, grams of carbs per kilogram of body weight for your day. Cause over a week's time too, that's just going to add up. So yeah, there's just a lot of discrepancies within that as well. Yeah. So that's like, again, our current recommendations are around anywhere from five to 10 grams per kilogram per day. Or again, you have the percentages is anywhere from 60 to 70% of your total energy intake. Um, and again, there's some flaws within that prescription. So what the systematic review goals was to do is to take, again, all of the studies out there that compared conditions with different carbohydrate intakes and they utilize strength measures, whether it be one RM um, of squat, bench, deadlift, or any, honestly, one RM, one repetition max. Um, and they utilize certain strength measurements as like measurements uh, to failure. So again, if we did 70% of your bench, um, we wanted to see how many reps you were able to get through four sets and stuff like that. Um, power. So how fast an individual was able to move a certain lift. Um, and they also utilize some of the, you know, laboratory setting of those isokinetic um, measurements. And then there was also secondary outcomes that they were able to utilize as in sprinting, agility, jumping distance, um, as well as Wingate performance as well. Um, if a study was included, if it had to have resistance training, if it had concurrent training, so both aerobic and anaerobic, it was only included if those two sessions were separated in a sense. So in total out of, I, they didn't specify the specific dates of their, their search criteria, but in total, there was 49 studies included in the review. Um, so let's go ahead and just kind of, again, highlight it one by one acute effects um, of that. So acute effects, again, just literally right before you work out, um, they found 19 studies. And of those 19 studies, um, 16 were a crossover. So actually both groups were able to try one or the other experiments. Um, and I think, again, the funny thing about this is not many actually found any benefit. Um, we actually even see that 
most of them found no benefit of the carbohydrate intake. Um, so it goes to really, as you go into it deeper, as I did, um, it, it was almost like a question of, okay, is it the hunger possibly that we're, we're getting into of eating before? Um, is it, is it that, um, uh, because we, again, there was no correlations of the eight studies that found an effect to favored the actual lower carbohydrate group. So it wasn't like a dose response, the higher the carbohydrates, the better you performed. And I think, again, that can go into just, you know, the bloatiness, the more carbohydrates you have, the less you know, likely you're going to feel as agile and things of that nature. Um, but the groups that favored the, the higher carbohydrate group actually had more calories in that sense. So we can't say it is the carbohydrates. It could be just that you had more energy within it your specific day or that's the specific feeding. So again, a lot of the, the, the variables aren't controlled for thus far when we look at resistance training specifically. And at the end, and it's funny that one study actually showed a negative consequence of ingesting carbohydrates. So again, there's a lot of uncertainties regarding carbohydrate intake right before you go ahead and work out. And with this being said, like you have studies that are showing carbs are not beneficial. You're showing that studies have carbs being actually negatively impactful to your workout. So I think one of the biggest things that hasn't been mentioned from us so far, but I know Adam will agree is the personal preference or, I mean, I guess Adam alluded to it with the bloatingness, like some people will be bloated with certain foods over others, but if you feel good going into your workout, I think that's going to be the biggest thing that allows you to excel in your training or your sporting event is that you're feeling good. And if, if for me, I have to eat some carbs before that, just to make sure I just feel good, but it's not necessary. However, that's what feels good for me during my workout. Yeah. And I think a lot of, you know, just eating pre-exercise is going to be definitely personal preference, but understand it's not the carbohydrates possibly. If your calories are in check, your body does a damn good job of refueling your glycogen to help with strength performance. And you know, why is this physiologically, right? the demand on our body specifically through resistance training isn't, you know, requiring so much of that glycolytic system. So we have that ATP PCR. It's usually going to tap out at, at around 12 ish seconds. And if you think about it, like if you're strength training, you know, one to five reps, your sets don't really last that long, right? While you are performing the exercise. And then when you rest, you rest in about two to three minutes. Again, this is specifically for strength performance, high intensity, lower rep range that you are going to be resting typically two to three minutes. And that allows the aerobic system to replenish a lot of those stores of ATP. And we've mentioned differences between the different energy systems and anaerobic is going to be that like PCR ATP that those energy systems. And then you have the aerobic system that will ultimately try to tap into whatever source energy system that it can get fuel from, uh, one of them being fat, fat oxidation. Uh, 
But the biggest thing I'm curious on is if training isn't impacting the two quickest energy systems, Adam, what about workouts that are just lasting like a really long time or like they just have a ton of volume within the, the, the session itself? Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually glad that you asked that. And, you know, from the actual studies that they looked at, two of them that found a benefit effect, a beneficial effect were exercise sessions that had 11 plus sets. However, I wouldn't, wouldn't recommend anyone exercising like that. So specifically hitting a target muscle group for 11 sets, it's overkill in a sense. So, but it did show from the research that we, we have out there, if you are doing 11 or more sets, you may favor having carbohydrates pre-exercise because you're going to start tapping into glycogen depletion um, and understand that to see or, or reduce any type of performance benefits, you're going to have to reduce your glycogen about 40% um, to start affecting your neuromuscular system. But anything below that, like you're going to deplete, but anything more than 40% is where you start to run into issues. And again, if you're doing 11 or more sets, this systematic review would recommend you taking in some sort of carbohydrate intake. So that, that is 11 sets per exercise guys. So that's 11 sets of bench. Am I understanding that correctly, Adam? So just, yeah, yeah, exactly. 11 sets of bench. <laughs> again, that's a little excessive. Typically you, you would warm up to a specific weight. And, you know, the most I ever do is about three to four sets. I mean, you'll hear people maxing out around two sets, but again, for strength specifically, if you're doing more than 11 sets, um, we need to reevaluate your training program. And, and the reason why this is important and why I asked for clarification is because you're hitting the energy system from the same muscle 11 times in a row. Why it doesn't matter if you're doing bench for six sets and then squat for six sets, it's because it's totally different muscles. Those energy systems in your legs haven't been tapped into, or if they have ever so slightly, however, they have not been tapped into like your chest has when you're benching for six sets. So you can go right into squat after that. And that's why supersetting is such a thing because you're tapping into different energy systems in different muscles. Yeah. So maybe not different energy systems though, cause you're tapping into the same energy system, but utilizing a different uh, peripheral muscle yeah, that, again, that you can kind of get away from it. Yeah. Thanks for the correction. Like you, you, it's different in the means that it's a different muscle. It's the same system, different muscle. Yeah. And so kind of going into the two studies, um, that maybe had found other effects, um, if it was the carbs or again, I, I started going into, is it maybe just the decreased in hunger? Um, and I can't pronounce the individual's name, but I'll, I'll shoot my shot it is no Rardin at all 2020 and did a follow-up study in 2022. Um, and the, the study in 2020 looked at three different groups, a water, a placebo, and what that placebo consumed, and there goes my dog, um, they consumed a 29 calorie flavored water. So think of maybe some sort of Gatorade or just some sort of flavored water. That's what they consumed pre-workout. And then the 
actual carbohydrate group consumed uh, high carb breakfast. It was specifically one and a half grams per kilo kilogram pre-exercise. And then they did four sets of failure at 90% of a 10 RM on both the squat and the bench. And we see both performances on the bench and the squat really not different, differing from both group, but we do see the squat differing if you have just the water. So maybe just literally having something in your system, something flavored could kind of help with some of those hormonal responses or more importantly, those psychological effects that, hey, I have something, I'm good in that sense. Um, so again, liquid wise, having some sort of intake could actually help you perform subsequently throughout your, your exercise. So I think the big thing with this one is figuring out what you're going to feel best on in, in going with that. For some, it's eating on an empty stomach. I, I get a lot of people are going to recommend that you need to have carbs right before your workout or right before your event or in the middle of the workout. However, there, there's really no research that's saying that you need that. So as long as you're fueling yourself appropriately throughout your days and you're not spending your weeks in a calorie deficit, then you'll ideally feel good to go into a workout in Excel. Now, this is for resistance training. Sessions are usually shorter or for any other activity that's going to be really short bursts of effort and not being extended for long periods of time. So that was all the smoke guys on carb intake and how it's going to impact your strength and in resistance performance. Thank you guys. This was coach AI and coach Doobie. Peace.